We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 91 and 92, and they don't really relate to each other, but I'm just going to do them together because they're pretty um, short. And the one thing that I will say about 91, the Apocrypha, I have never even read the Apocrypha, so that was one of the main things is I've, I've never read it. But the thing that stood out to me in this, so there is a list of books um, that, were the, that are the Apocrypha. A lot of scripture, this is what I wrote, a lot of scripture I've never even heard of. But the thing that I love is that it says in verse 4, Therefore, whoso readeth it, let him understand, for the Spirit manifesteth truth. And I just thought um, the likeness for me is Isaiah where it is very challenging and really it's the spirit that brings us truth. And so if there are people who want to study it and pick out those truths, it says there are truths in it, they can do it. But for me, there are so many things that, that we have that I understand <laughs> and that are just a treasure trove of truth and that I don't have to be careful of things that have been twisted by man. And so I'm going to concentrate on what we know was given by God and the four books of scripture that we have that I just absolutely still have so much learning to do from and that I just love, I'm going to hold to. And with our prophets and our apostles speaking and those being in print and all the treasure trove that we have, the gospel topic essays, there's just so much. And so... Really, if you want to read it, the lesson is go with the Spirit and it will pull out what is true. It will warm your heart. It will probably benefit your other learning and teachings and things that you're doing. Um, but be wary because there is stuff in there that is not. And I'm sure you can pick that out. Um, this is what it says in the handbook. Obviously, to gain any real value from a study of the apophrical apophrical, writing, sorry, the student must first have an extended background of gospel knowledge, a comprehensive understanding of the standard works of the church, plus the guidance of the Spirit. And although I feel like um, I do study a ton, I do not feel I am a person who is qualified to go in there and find those nuggets of truth. And I'm pretty satisfied with what, what we have been given. Okay, but in 92, there are just two verses, and um, it re this really, there was a cool aha for me. So it's talking about Friedrich G. Williams and inviting him into this order that they have made to, it's kind of like the United Order is what they changed it to, but it's this where they go and it's the forerunner of the United Order and taking care of each other and making sure that they have um, means to help others who come and join the church. And, and so these people are coming together to do this um, organization and providing and taking care of one another that they've never seen done. And they're using God's guidance and direction and they're trying to live as he wants them to. But these are human people and you're turning over your excess, what you would say are turning over everything and they give back to you what is needful and your wants. And it just is a recipe as you read that to go, wow, that is amazing that they even tried to do it is incredible with 
with us. I can't even imagine today. Um, the comparison that we have of, you know, uh, f with everyone else of what everybody has. But this one word really stood out to me. And again, I say unto you, my servant, Friedrich G. Williams, you shall be a lively member in this order. And what came to mind is at one point in time, we have a really good friend who um, was called to be, he was our stake president, our good friend, and then they were called as mission presidents, and then in the very last year as mission presidents, when he came home, he was called to be a general authority. He's a 70. And um, I remember him standing up, and his hair was white now, and just saying, this has been the hardest year our family has ever had. And he was so emotional. And he said, we have just gone through harder things than we've ever gone through. And I just kept thinking, holy cow, what, what could that be? What on earth? And just, it really broke my heart. We just loved them. And so I prayed and prayed and just kept thinking, what could this be? And one day as I was getting ready for church, the thought came, you need to write this person and you need to tell him about the experience you had when he set you apart to be in Stake Young Women's. And when I was called into Stake Young Women's, it um, was really hard for me. I was called with three other women who are incredible women, but I was younger than the three. Um, I really felt as we would come to meetings and things that the three were very similar in their thinking and then there was me. And I would say in my family, my family would never call me the devil's advocate, um, but I kind of felt like that's what I was. It was just very different for me. And when I was set apart, I had recorded everyone's blessings, written them down and, and typed them up so we'd all have them. And when I was set apart, mine was very different than theirs. It kept saying, you will learn so much from these women and you will learn this and you will learn that and you will do this and you, you will um, look back on this and really miss these women and the things that you learn in this opportunity. And I would like to tell you that I was a really mature person and really took full advantage and was an awesome member of the presidency. I'd like to tell you that, but it wasn't true. Um, Tuesdays, the day of our meeting, I would wake up and invariably I would have a migraine before I ever even went and I would just stress. And it just was hard for me. And I can't even describe it to you to make you to make it understandable because it, it there's no way to make it understandable. I'm sure so much of it was my own immaturity. But after a year and a half, I remember one day coming home and just sobbing and just saying, I cannot do this anymore. I am miserable and I hate feeling like I'm not good enough, but I'm not good enough. And I remember at one point, just as I was kneeling there, just sobbing, just going, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, the thought came, be happy, be cheerful, be joyful, be Aaron. And it was the very last line in my setting apart. And all of a sudden, I realized God had never called me 
wanting me to become them. I had started the calling thinking he wanted me to be these three women. He didn't. He wanted me to be me, but he wanted me to be a better version of me and to take the good they had and learn from it. And I would like to tell you that I changed and became this awesome person. I think we had one more year. We had a year and a half, but our president was called to be mission presidents with her husband. And so we were cut short. And I will never forget um, when that happened and they told us I sobbed and sobbed because I just felt like I'm just barely getting this. I'm just barely learning to be humble and submissive and do what you're asking me to do. I'm just barely catching on that this is an opportunity to refine myself. And so as I wrote our friend who was a general authority, I said, all of this came back. You set me apart and I never told you what that was like for me. But I want you to know what came this morning as I prayed was that that is a lot how you're feeling, this comparison that God has called you to be in this club with all these incredible men that you so look up to and we all admire. But God is not calling you to be them. He is calling you to be you, but be a better version of you. And then I put, be happy, be cheerful, be joyful, be in his name. And I'll never forget when he and his wife wrote back and just said, you have no idea what that meant. But the truth is, I did know. And anytime we serve in anything, it is an opportunity for Satan to whisper in our ear, we're not good enough, to do the comparison game, to focus on our weaknesses. He just is such a master at that. But we have to remember that God loves us as we are, but Elder Holland said, but he does not intend for us to stay as we are. He intends to make us far greater. And what a gift that is. So I loved that sentence, be a lively member, be happy, be cheerful, be joyful, be you. But be the you God wants you to become. And that is my prayer. And that's what I loved about these two sections. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.